0: Blog Talk Radio. Versus blue. One bleeds red, and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no-holds-barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, with your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent.
1: Wherever you may be, thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, team legacy in the world of high-stakes fantasy football, always joined by the Big Blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mikey, uh, this is the uh, win-for-where show. The kid didn't ask for this. Uh, this is uh, something – it says something about the media and about people in general and about what we gravitate to. The most gruesome thing we've ever seen in sports on live television – happened to the Louisville Cardinals and Kevin Ware, and now the kid's in the spotlight.
2: Yeah, Scott, you know, uh, it's funny. It's It was uh, – I was watching the game along with a, a friend of mine, and when it happened, I saw uh, Thornton from Kansas just kind of grab his head uh, as he made the three-point shot, just kind of grab his head and going back down and play defense. He knew something happened because he obviously had heard uh, – Kevin uh, just scream or yell, and it, I saw it one time, and it just uh, it tore me up. It, it really tore me up. Uh, as a fan of sports, I love sports, but you never want to see something like that happen. And it was it, it was so brutal. And um, today was uh, today. I don't know if you know, a lot of people know, but uh, Wear Red Day, and I'm a Kentucky fan, but uh, I put on uh, had a uh, A a wind jacket on, uh, just uh, kind of a navy blue wind jacket. And I said, you know, I am going to wear some red today. Because, you know, for a kid, a young kid like that, a sophomore in college, to go through something that he's been through uh, over the course of the last week is is very difficult. And to watch everybody just uh, gather around him and uh, just support him uh so I I just put on a red hat and I said I'm wearing my red today. So there you go.
1: Times they are a changing. Uh 3473245404. This is the Red versus Blue show we stream live on iTunes. Uh you can download the podcast from there. You can also uh get us on Blog Talk Radio as well. This show is sponsored by FF Toolbox, the Dynasty Football World Championship. Go to DynastyKing.com, 30, uh, 35 spots left, I think. Uh, it's a first-year contest, a $299 entry fee. Uh, give the guys a chance to learn Dynasty uh, by partnering with some of the best in the, the business for the guys from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Uh, those guys have been putting out some really good content, and they will provide exclusive content for the Dynasty Football World Championship. You know, Mike, we just didn't want guys to play in this contest. It's kind of two worlds colliding, two worlds merging. We've got, on one hand, we've got the Dynasty players from Dynasty League Football and all across the world, and on the other hand, you've got the high stakes guys and the Roto Bowl guys, the guys that have always played redraft very competitively and always put their money where their mouth is and uh, laid a claim to their stake at the best player in the world, like Matt Bailey did, winner of $200,000 in our first ever fantasy football world championship. But this is a little different. And it's and it's a learning curve. Mike, you remember uh, a couple years ago, or I don't know, as was longer than that, right? You were hyper too, and uh, that's been around five, six years now. So it, it's a pretty big learning curve. Talk about that a little bit. When you jump from redraft to dynasty, it's important to have a group like dynasty league football providing some exclusive content. Oh, no
2: doubt about it, Scott it's really a uh, it's kind of a rude awakening. You can redraft uh redraft the best team in the world and uh you know they're going to be good for maybe 2 3 years uh at best. Now, you better you better have a backup plan. And uh you know, I went through I went through a period in hyper 2 uh and hyper 3 especially where I won a couple of championships in a row in hyper 3 dynasty. Uh but you know that's all good and well, but do you have a backup plan? Are you are you prepared for 2015 right now? Are you pre- prepared for 2016 right now? Uh, and at that stage of the game, I was just uh, reveling in the moment, so to speak. So uh, that's that that that's the trick of uh, dynasty, and that's the trick of uh, how to be good at it is revel in the moment, but still be prepared for two, three years down the road. I wasn't, and that was. Uh, that, that's, that's been pretty difficult for me in Hyper 3, making me rebuild. In Hyper 2, I had to do that, so I'm starting to rebuild, and uh, things are looking a lot better. But uh, that that's the trick of Dynasty. revel in the moment, but, uh, man, you better be prepared for two years down the road.
1: As always, uh, <clears throat> Dynasty brings a little bit of a different twist and a different flavor, and that's what keeps things going in the off season for us. I mean, look, you really couldn't – it would be very hard to – do shows all throughout the year without a little slant on Dynasty. And we got Dave Cherney in the the chat room, Road Warrior, A.K.A. Road Warrior uh, from Dynasty Football Warehouse, another upstart uh, Dynasty site that provides excellent content. So the there there's there's Dynasty is a growing segment, and so we thought it would look. It was a gap in the marketplace. There wasn't a game that had a, a price point around that three hundred dollar price point. Uh, that people could jump in and play competitively there's some bigger leagues at ffpc they got the 500 750 1250 all the 2500 big leagues and big spenders but we thought you know what let's get the guys the redraft guys prepared so they're not scared to death of playing in the format you know nobody wants to throw away 500 bucks or a thousand bucks a year uh if you've never really played it it's kind of a it's kind of a steep asking price to to take my lumps take your lumps in something that's uh you know competitive to be dynasty king it's the goal is to have the most points scored over a three-year period, and you will be crowned the first ever Dynasty King of Fantasy Football. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So uh, back to the Kevin, back to the Kevin Wears, uh story and show, Mike. And this is the Win for Ware show. Everybody knows here that I'm uh, the biggest Cardinal fan on the planet. You, the biggest Kentucky fan. That's how this show started. Red versus blue. Uh, we started talking about Louisville and Kentucky athletics. It kind of sprung into our natural interests and our hobbies and fantasy football, and then it became you know, pretty much anything we want to talk about. And it's primarily fantasy football, and that's the community we serve. But we do have a a special soft place in our hearts when it comes time for tournament time here in the Midwest. Uh, Being from the Louisville area and you being from Kentucky, it's in your blood. You bleed blue. I bleed red. And to see what happened, to Kevin Ware, uh, our house was just shattered there for a while. I mean, look, this is a kid, not a starter, but a guy that was coming off the bench as the sixth man, basically, right there uh, with – Uh, as the guard replacement for Peyton Seaver or Russ Smith. Anytime they got into foul trouble, anytime they needed a breather, Kevin Ware was coming in, and his minutes were stepping up. He was averaging 16 minutes for the season, but he really started playing over 20 and 25 minutes there near the end of the year. Again, four and a half points per game. The key thing that I think people uh, will will see in their statistic is he led the team in three-point shooting uh, percentage. He's a 40% three-point shooter. So that's pretty key when you're playing a team like Syracuse and you need to use that high post at the top of the key and, you know, you have to you have to bring those defenders up, like Sutherland and those big guys and bringing those guys up and then being able to dish it out to the wings and one of those guys steps out. That's pretty key for a guy like Kevin Ware to be able to knock down that jumper or Luke Hancock. It's it's like Kyle Keurig's corner over there. So really big loss on the game side of things, not just on the human side and the human interest story, but the game side of things. It's going to be a big loss, especially as aggressive as Louisville plays, right? They play very well,
2: you know there's a but, I mean I, I agree with you Scott uh I, I've heard a lot of different interviews uh, fortunately today on the way back uh from uh Indiana from Jeffersonville, I was able to hear uh Luke Hancock and uh Peyton Siva talk a lot about the team and how it's uh affected them and but how they're moving forward with it And it it was real. It was real cool to hear uh, Peyton Siva uh, talk about. uh, You know, I tell you what, uh, we we really miss the guy. He he's our blood brother. Uh, But we're we're prepared to move forward. And you know, when I hear Peyton Siva talk about that, the the reason he said that is because this Henderson kid. He said, I tell you what, we we got a guy Henderson who's been guarding. He's been guarding Russ Smith in practice all year long, so we are ready. We are ready, and we're going to we're going to be ready with uh, with Kevin Kevin Ware uh, right along with us. So I, I like their demeanor uh, from what I heard in those uh, interviews.
1: Henderson is a, uh, a walk on junior for the team and a, a kid that hasn't got a lot of playing time this year. He's only played in. 25 games, averages three minutes per game. So he's kind of one of those guys that just gets into the game. But it was nice to see him score his bucket in the tournament there at the end of the game. That's when it it, it told you, man, this team is just doing it for wear. And uh, to see Ke- to see Tim knock down that jumper there at the end of the game. Look, how often does somebody beat Duke in the tournament by 22 points, Mike? I mean, come on. Right? This team has a lot going for Wichita State. Uh, Patino, as always, describes them as the the next uh, the, the next UNLV running rebels. Right? He's always every opponent is the is the most difficult opponent he's ever seen on film, and it again continues with Wichita State. He somehow finds a way to scare you a little bit as a Cardinal fan. This time, he says that Wichita State is the uh, best team we played all season, and that they are yeah. Mar- Marquette on steroids. Yeah, yeah I mean he's going to say that, but the the bottom line is uh,
2: Louisville has an incredible ability right now to – I mean, this game could be even, and then you can go uh, grab you a a soda out of the refrigerator, uh, popcorn real quick, come back, and Lowell's up 15. This team has an incredible ability because of their defense, their pressure to make teams make mistakes, and then they capitalize off them quick. And I mean, they just blow things out of proportion so fast.
1: Yeah, well, that's the media, you know. So look, it, it was it was a very uh, tragic injury to see him. Uh, I think the reason why it got so much attention is because uh, what we heard from him after the game, what we heard from Bettino after the game, the fact that he's down on the ground and he's only caring about the team. And that, you know, look, we're caring, We we were worried and sick to death for him. We were also in the pit of our stomach saying, "Oh my God, the only way we can lose this game as cardinal fans is if we beat ourselves and we get and, and something tragic like this happens this is uh, this is just the worst case scenario will they be able to rally behind it or will they be too traumatized you know by what what just happened to their to their you know their brother and so they they did they came together they rallied it's a big week for Louisville athletics mike the uh, you have the women's final four uh they 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 pulled off a couple of big upsets baylor and uh, Tennessee to make the final four I mean that's just incredible that uh both both teams the women's and the men's team are are in the final four well,
2: and you know there was uh another thing that I heard today was uh just being so uh complimentary of uh, how tom jurich has he's developed quite a quite a thing here guys i mean everybody listening whether you're from the from this area or not uh need to understand that this Tom Jurich, uh, athletic director at the University of Louisville, I mean, he's developed quite quite a system here of uh, not just the football Sugar Bowl, the basketball men's Final Four, the women's Final Four, uh, soccer, uh, softball. I mean, lacrosse. All lines, they're, he's making them all successful. And Rick Pitino had mentioned that on on, on a show that I listened to today. That all comes together. You make that all successful, and I mean, no no program, uh, no matter what the athletic it is, whether it's football, basketball, or field hockey, what have you, uh, can go wrong. If you make your program right, it's going to be right. And a lot of a lot of credit goes to Tom Jurich, man. He's he's done a heck of a job.
1: A lot of fans, uh, we thought that success might come a little quicker when Patino came to the university, and and I guess success is measured differently by different schools. The only success that, uh, you know, Louisville had a high standard because obviously their their rival is Kentucky, and Kentucky thinks championships. So, you know, we had to wire ourselves to, you know, after a couple of titles in the 80s, we wired ourselves to expect championships. And we got to a couple of Final Fours, and we were beaten by superior teams, superior teams, uh, both times uh and the, there was a year in 2009 that we felt we were the number 1 seed overall and they they we felt like that was the best shot we've had to win it and that was uh the Michigan State loss uh in the sure. tournament in the Elite 8 and so you know and then last year getting beaten uh, like I said in the final four by a superior team in Kentucky that uh you know we just that when you're outmatched you're outmatched and that's kind of uh this is the opportunity that this is the team that nobody really thought um going into the season uh, last year that this team would be ready. But once they saw the final four performance and the players coming together through that run and through the big East run kind of told you that this year was setting up to be a very special year and it was supposed to be special for Indiana and Louisville both. And, and nobody, I don't think expected Kentucky to fall like they did. Uh, But we know that they'll be back. They're getting five. They'll have a new fab five and then they'll be coming to challenge the team of Louisville uh, that will be, you know, so it'll be—it's gonna be another year of this, Mike, where Louisville, Kentucky are right back on top. Indiana'll be right there on top. The Midwest is kind of owning college basketball right now. But let's talk about these matchups. Louisville, Wichita State. Uh, again, Patino calls them the Marquette on steroids. Uh, obviously, you know I'm gonna take Louisville. Who's your pick in that game?
2: Uh, I'm gonna take Louisville. I don't know if they'll cover. It. I think it's uh, the spread was like ten or something, but uh, I'll throw that out it's gonna be uh I feel like it's gonna be very similar to uh uh to some of the games that they played this year. Uh, I I feel like it's gonna be a feeling out. Uh two bosses in the rings kinda of throwing their best punch and in the second half, uh Lowells of pressure, their defense, um just their overall uh, being able to create the points off of turnovers is just gonna just wear Wichita State down in the second half. Uh it wouldn't surprise me at all for this game to be straight up in half. Uh, say, you know, a 35, 33, 33 game, something like that. Uh, second half, I can see that Louisville run happening, and uh, I think they win, by, you know, 8 to 10.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think I think that run is definitely going to come. It happens every game. We've seen it all year. Uh, and when they're rolling like this, very hard to stop Louisville with that uh, defense. The key in this game is going to be the early, the first eight to ten minutes of the game, how many fouls get accumulated on Siva and Russ Smith? At the end of the day, it all comes down to foul trouble for the Cardinals. It's the only thing that can beat them. Uh, I, I think we have the size and depth in the uh, for for guys like Gorky and Shane behannon and Montrez Harrell to sustain foul trouble there inside. I mean, they are a big team, very difficult to score inside from everything I've heard and what I've seen in the tournament, but I think the game revolves around Siva and Russ Smith making sure that they stay out of foul trouble because, it, you know, look, you don't want Tim Henderson coming in the game to save the day in the Final Four. You really want to keep Russ and Siva, one of those guys out there at all times. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how the yeah. rest of the style. It all comes down to the to the, uh, to the the refereeing and how tight they're going to call the game. If they're going to call yeah. it like a Big East game, they won't have a problem. If they're going to call it really tight, uh, the Louisville Cardinals will have an issue. Uh, see, see, now
2: I disagree with all that. It, it does not come down to refereeing. You'll... you'll I mean, you'll figure that out within two minutes of the game. Uh, if, if there is a cheap call, uh, I can understand what you're saying, Scott. If there is a cheap call that's, uh, you know, on Russ or uh, Peyton, you know, then, then right away they know they have to adjust. But don't adjust with uh, at halftime on on foul calls or, or things like that. Uh, they'll be able to figure that out. Uh yeah. I, I just I, I think they'll be okay uh, in that game. Uh, the one I don't know about the uh, Wichita State uh, shocker, the big guy that they have, I'm not so sure about him. Um, from what I'm hearing, he can possibly match up with Chang. I don't know about that.
1: Yeah. Well, again, I don't think there is many adjustments you can make to the Cardinal's style of play when it comes time when it comes to their the pressure that they apply. They apply pressure. They're going for deflections. They can't really turn that off. If they turn that off, I think that's a very bad situation for them. I, I, I just don't uh, don't want to see that happen. I want them to keep up the pressure like they always have all year, and I think that's the way yeah, to go. I mean it's,
2: it's, I mean, it's real simple. If you try to not foul, you're going to foul.
1: Yeah.
0: If you try
2: not to get hurt, you're going to get hurt. It's the same thing like NFL football. You know, these guys, they don't go out there thinking, oh, well, I hope I don't get hurt. No, they go out there and play. It's just like uh, Peyton and Russ. They're going to go out there and play. They're not going out there thinking, oh, well, I hope I don't foul in the first five
1: minutes. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see. Let's keep them out of foul trouble. And let's not let's not worry about it. But, again, uh, we have another Big East team in the Final Four. Mike, I know this was the year of the Big Ten. We do have a Big Ten-Big East matchup here. Michigan versus Syracuse. You have Trey Burke. You have Hardaway, Robinson. You have all these kids from Michigan. And then you've got Syracuse and Jim and Jim Boham or Bayham, however you say it. Uh and he's got he's got the uh the, the team that played Louisville fantastic in the Big East tournament and Louisville had a great second half. But they were down sixteen to this team in the in the uh at some point in the second half and it was not looking good. Michael Carter Williams, uh Sutherland, uh Trish, uh Fair. They got a lot yep. of names that I remember. Uh what do you think about this game? Syracuse, Michigan. Uh you know, I, I've been thinking
2: about this game a lot, uh, and it's it's gonna be a fun game to watch <clears throat> to watch the uh transition of how uh Michigan can handle the zone it's It's all everybody talks about is the zone the zone is fantastic the players are getting everywhere i mean they're so active in what they do uh but i i really i'm not sure if Syracuse has faced three point shooters like they're getting ready to face with this Michigan team. And that really, uh, you know, if I'm a Syracuse fan, I'm like, man, I love this zone, but I don't know because these guys can shoot, and I'm not just talking from two inches from beyond the arc. I'm talking from five feet beyond the arc.
1: Yeah, I think uh, this is going to be a great game. I think this comes down to um, the shooting over the over that uh, zone, man. And if they hit their shots, Michigan's going to be hard to beat. And I think at the end of the day. This uh this this game reminds me of um Carmelo Anthony and the games that he had for Syracuse. I look over at the yellow side of the of the court with Michigan and I see a kid in Trey Burke that can put up 30 on anybody and he may, if he has a thir- if he has a 30 point game or something like that uh still in him in this tournament uh that spells trouble for anybody, any team. And that's the kind of uh that's the kind of game uh, that can win uh this deep in the tournament. Honestly, so I'm I'm taking Michigan in a nail-biter. Uh, yep. I'm taking Michigan in a nail-biter, but I think Syracuse will give them a good game. I just think that Syracuse, doing what they've done with this team so far, it's a great accomplishment. I think Michigan is kind of ready for this game. And, I, and, I, yeah, and I'm going to Michigan playing uh, in the championship game on Monday night against the Louisville Cardinals.
2: I, I, I agree with you, Scott. I, you know, it's, and it's not just Trey Burke. Trey Burke is, uh, by the way, uh, today he just got announced as the uh, – AP Player of the Year award and uh, congrats, but it's not just him. Hardaway, Hardaway can shoot from anywhere, and that that's going to be very scary. But uh, you know, like you said, on the other side of it, if they're not making their shots, Michigan's going to be in real trouble.
1: That's right. That's right. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. uh, I called it. um, Oh, when was this? This was after the game. After game two. Uh, Louisville, Syracuse. I called for a game three. I said, man, th- these two teams could meet again in the Big East e finals. And it happened. And during that game, I said, I I, I messaged um, John Haskell, Chris Lambert, a couple of the big Syracuse fans that I know. And I said, you want to go for number four? You know, that's the type of game uh, that these two teams bring Louisville and Syracuse that they could meet in the finals. And they, when they put them on opposite sides of the bracket, I was like, oh boy, it could happen. And then when they beat Indiana, I was like, it's getting
2: closer. It would be it would be something else to see because uh, first off their first two games, how close were they?
1: Uh, they were extremely co- close. Yeah, they could have. And,
2: and then the the first half of the second game or the third game, very close. So, uh, and the one thing that Syracuse probably is going to say, well, you know, we we just we just got leg weary because we played an extra day. So, well, they're, I mean, they're gonna, yeah,
1: they're they're going to have to uh, figure that out. They're going to have to figure out if if uh, if can they make adjustments to what Patino exposed. He figured that zone out, and they're going to have to do something because, like I said, if when the key to beating that zone is that big man like Gorky, and this is what should, what Indiana should have watched. I mean, they should have watched the game film on beating Syracuse. I mean, the key to beating them is to hit that jumper at the top of the key, and that does everything. The big man hits the jumper at the top of the key, that brings those guys in. And then you can have one of your other big guys on the base right there below the basket, opens things up for him or you can kick it out to your wings and hit a three. That's just how we beat them and it exposed it and uh you know, kind of cracked the code so to speak is what, from from my opinion. So it was just so overwhelming to to watch over and over again every single play and the key to that was hitting those jumpers and Indiana did not attempt to do that at all. They didn't try to hit that jumper and that's uh that's why they're out and Syracuse moved on. So
2: but I got a I got I got a couple of final scores. Uh right. Louisville seventy one, Wichita State sixty. All right. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh I think that Syracuse is gonna be able to slow it down enough, but not enough to win. Uh so I'm gonna go uh I'm gonna go Michigan sixty five, Syracuse sixty.
1: Wow, that's pretty close to what I had, man pretty close to what i had uh i've got louisville winning actually a lot different than you 76 to 53 76 to 53 in a pretty big second half and then uh i have michigan beating syracuse 66 to 56 i think they're going wow. to think they're going to stretch out there a little bit uh so yeah and then then we have the matchup mike louisville versus michigan on monday night i don't like to get ahead of myself but we are doing predictions and we have to do them because we're not going to have another show Louisville versus Michigan, uh, 76-67. Cardinals. They pull down a third national title and Patino's second national title. He gets inducted into the Hall of Fame on the same night. Yep. And Russ Smith is your MVP. Wow. Um, I put down
2: 74 to 73. Louisville. Whoa. Uh, I just I I I think this is going to be one of the classic matchups because it's going to be up and down. It's going to be high-octane from the word go, uh, no question about it. And uh, But I do believe that Michigan can stay with these guys. I, I believe Michigan can – I mean, you can't count Michigan out, especially from uh, watching them against Kansas and, and the different games that they play. Uh, they really impressed me against BCU, which I, I still believe VCU is a great team. Uh so I believe Michigan's gonna give Louisville everything they can, but I think it you know, when it's all said and done, I think Louisville wins seventy four to seventy three. An MVP, that was interesting. Uh, why not Peyton Seab? All right.
1: Well, he's the senior. Yep. He's the senior. Uh so it would be nice to see him go out. Uh, he is a he is a h a big time tournament guy. But this, this tournament has been Russ Smith's here, so uh, I just gave it to Russ and and uh, I, I I could give it to either of them, but I, I think that uh, Russ is the the one that uh, makes this team tick. So I'm gonna give it to uh, Russ Smith. And uh, look, Mike, I've waited 30 years for this, right? I mean, 86 is a long time, 96 to yep. 27 years to get another title. It's way too long, uh, but it's here, it's now, and uh, we've got it. We got to go out. They got to go out and claim it. And if they win Saturday, I'm, I'm gonna be very tempted to make a road trip down to the ATL for that championship game. So, (laughs) all right, Mikey, uh, uh, geez, we've been a little all the time here. Patino Hall of Fame, uh, his son gets named head coach of Minnesota. What do you think about that move? Richard Patino already gets a head coaching job at a school like Minnesota.
2: Yeah, you know what? Uh, That that was a little surprising to me, but, uh, you know, I think it's a great opportunity. I think Minnesota sees it. Uh, What really surprised me is uh, Minnesota's AD, uh, he came from Virginia Commonwealth, Hmm. and he's the one that hired Shaka Smart. So when they let uh, Dubby go, immediately I thought, well, Shaka Smart's got this, and Shaka Smart told him no. And, and of course, he told UCLA no as well. Uh, So that was – you know, that whole deal, the way it went down, I think the Minnesota AD, I don't have his name uh, on me right now. But uh, I guarantee you, he he really wanted Shaka to come uh, to Minnesota with him. No, that, you know. that
1: wasn't going to happen. You're not going to leave VCU for Minnesota. You're not going to do it. I think this is a perfect opportunity for Richard Pitino. Uh It's very interesting to see what he did at Florida International once they started to research a little bit. He got 10 more wins in his first season there. Uh, so a definite improvement, in an uptick. And he brought the same style of play that his daddy did, uh, fifth in turnovers in the NCAA, Mike, for Florida International. It tells you that, you know, they focus on deflections like nobody else, and that's their business. And an aggressive uh, style defense is going to be brought to Minnesota that Minnesota's never been really known for. So that will be well, interesting to see what he does with that.
2: It will. And another thing, Scott, it's going to be real interesting to see what happens with uh... – Richertino at Minnesota and the the coach that uh from uh that's going to USC from you know Florida
1: Oh yeah, who was that? Yeah, the coach that went to USC. Yeah, why am I why am I drawing a blank? USC head coach or well, you know, it's the Google away? Uh
2: but but anyway, UCLA be, head coach. UCLA head coach. It's going to be uh, real interesting to see Steve how Steve Alford no.
1: Steve no. Alford went to UCLA. Yeah,
2: you know, Steve Alford went to UCLA from uh uh Florida Gulf Coast. That oh. coach. That coach that goes, he went to USC and then uh and, and just just compare how Richard Petino does with Minnesota and this coach does with USC.
1: Andy infield. Yeah. Andy,
2: that's yeah. right.
1: Yeah, went to USC. Yeah, that's right. Okay, got gotcha. you. Yeah, you know, that was a fun team to watch, too. All right, Mike, uh, that is uh, this is the Win for Wear show. Uh, again, this show is sponsored by FF Toolbox and the Dynasty Football World Championship. 35 spots remain. Going to be fun. Let's start to move on to the NFL news here. Carson Palmer. <laughs> you know, I was talking to Ian the other day, and he said, man, I love Carson Palmer, but you know what? He's the new Brett Favre. <laughs> Go Goes to, you know, he's the veteran, the Wiley veteran, the guy that can play very well if he has a team to play on, and then he ends up getting shopped around there at the end of his career, you know, trying to get a couple contracts here. And there. This is a nice move for Arizona. I think it's a very wise move to fix this QB thing. Look, Bruce Arians comes in. He brings in Mendenhall to kind of compete with Williams. He's got a wide receiver that he's got to make happy in Larry Fitzgerald. And you bring in Carson Palmer to make him happy. Uh, so I think this automatically puts – Larry Fitzgerald stock up again in my book. I did a, I did a, um, a fantasy face off on Facebook the other day and it was Michael Crabtree or Larry Fitzgerald. Who would you rather have? And it was overwhelming support Mike for Michael Crabtree because they didn't have a quarterback. I would love to do that poll again and ask the same question. Now that Palmer is in Arizona, who would you rather have Michael Crabtree or Larry Fitzgerald? I asked the same right. question to you, Mike.
2: Yeah. You know, it, it's funny because, uh, what was it, uh, Skelton or a couple a couple other quarterbacks? Not Skelton, but uh, from Arizona going, well, we need to get this uh, quarterback situation figured out. Well, guess what? It got figured out. It got figured out pretty quick because, uh, you know, they're going after Carson and uh, they got him. Uh, Carson knows he's only got one or two years left. Uh, and based on what I saw out of Larry Fitzgerald, he's pretty – he's pretty happy with what's going on there. And uh, he's like, well, good good deal, you know. So uh, I would uh, I would say Larry Fitzgerald's
1: in a little bit better spot right now. Absolutely a uh, nice improvement for him. Uh, I think that's a good – I think that's good for all of them. You've got Andre Roberts. You've got the development there. Uh, Michael Floyd, that's going to be a star in this league, uh, has the potential to be one. Definitely somebody you want to hang on to in Dynasty. Uh, so, so we'll see how that uh, situation develops. Another one is Matt Flynn to the Raiders. Here's a guy that's kind of living off the career of one NFL game. He got his, he got his, he, he got his money off of one NFL game against uh, who was that? Detroit. I think it was Green Bay Packers in Detroit. I think. And yeah. he put up like 500 yards and like six touchdowns or something crazy. And now here he is. Uh, and we thought he was going to get a shot last year, but Russell Wilson came, and we all know how that turned out. Now he goes. To the hapless Raiders, Mike. Uh, what do you make of this situation?
2: Uh, you just said it, the hapless Raiders. Uh,
1: yeah.
2: You know, I mean, maybe he can, uh, you know, put some fire into them and uh, get them rolling. But uh, I mean, how many snaps has uh, Blint had in the last two years? Right. That's scary. That's yeah. scary.
1: Yeah. Well, and 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 they're, and they're really they're. They're in a bad situation there too. I mean, they're, you just—it's devoid of talent. You ship off your best tight end. You you you, you let go of uh, even even though he's not uh, great. You know, Darius Hayward Bay. You let off of a receiver there. Now you're counting on, you know, Denarius Moore to step up and 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 make an impact. You're just really uh, you're really hurting for for talent. So they're gonna have to develop new talent. They've never really been known to do that. And you're giving the reins back to McFadden, and saying here, help us and lead us. And the question is, can you stay healthy enough to do it? And, and that's never really been the case. So, Denarius Moore, Rod Streeter, Derek Hagan, Jeron Kreiner for Matt Flynn. That's just uh, it's one of the worst uh, corps right there with the Jets, man. So it's uh, it's going to be a, a bad a bad start for Matt Flynn. I'll just we'll just go on record for that. Yeah. We also have Ahmad Bradshaw did a meet-and-greet with the Steelers, Mike, and this is interesting because I think his dynasty value, it it really fell off the map after being released from the Giants, and there wasn't any takers early on, and there still isn't any takers, Uh, so when we hear about going to the Steelers, we automatically think, whoa, new life here hold, you know, or can you sell, can you get something for him now? And the question is, what can you get for him? And I think if you're an Ahmad Bradshaw owner in Dynasty, and you can sell and get a, you really can't, you really can't get the price that he's worth, because when he plays, he, he does a pretty good job, you know, he's a very respectable back, so you nobody's going to give you a first round pick for it, but that's what he's worth. He's worth a first round pick. So you really have you're in a situation with Bradshaw that you have to hold because a second round pick's not enough. Now, if you could give me the 2-1 pick or the 2-2 two, two pick, a very early second-round pick, I'd take it. But I don't want to go down to that 2-5, two, 2-6 two, range. And, you know, that's too far. Because you do have to win. There is something about winning, and you're not always going to win on trades. You can't always. Just get rid of your your older guys. Sometimes you got to take these guys and just ride them out as long as you can, and then maybe deal them away later after a couple of big games in the season or something, and get and, and rebuild that way. But it's not time to sell on my Bradshaw unless you can get a first round pick for him. So do you think that? Uh, so so
2: you think a
1: already two second round pick is uh, good enough for Bradshaw? I mean, yeah, I think the, I think the class is deep enough. Uh, for an early second round pick, for you to be pleased with what you'll get at that 2 1 or 2 2 pick. Look, there's a lot of, there's still a lot of good players in this draft, and the running backs are going to go pretty deep this year, especially when you think about guys like Jonathan Franklin that people really don't know yet, Le'Veon Bell, who's getting a lot of love from Denver, he's very high on the list. And then you could even sit on a Lattimore if you're okay with it. I still think that all injuries are way overblown. <laughs> you know, even the wear injury. Look, we saw the bones sticking out six inches out of the skin. And the kid was put back together, and he's going to be there. They're talking like 8 to 12, 12 to 16 weeks. You're done. You're ready to go, and you're, you're, you're back on track. And I know this was a very terrible injury for Lattimore. It destroyed every, it. everything in his knee. But he's the type of guy that will be sitting there in a 2-1 situation. And the wide receivers that you can get in this draft, Mike, with Patterson, Tavon Austin, Keenan Allen, Justin Hunter, DeAndre Hopkins, these are guys, they're all. there's like three or four of those guys that are going to be first-round picks. They're very good wide receivers. They're not AJ Green's, but they're very good wide receivers.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's hard to uh, it's hard to evaluate what's going to happen. You know, you are bringing up uh, Lattimore. You know, every injury is different, uh, and I feel for all these guys. Uh, but you know, if, if I'm Lattimore, which I, I know he's already reached out to Adrian Peterson and guys like that, and saying how, how did you do what you do? Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you have to uh, you, you have to understand and uh, realize their work ethic and things like that. I was listening to, uh, of course, I keep bringing up uh, listening to stuff, but uh, you know, these guys. I, I listen to a lot of stuff, and Chris Landry is one of the best that I've ever heard. Uh, he told Al Davis to stay away from this quarterback. This quarterback cannot do anything. Or uh, uh, he's very talented. But he doesn't have work ethic, and his expansion of knowledge will hurt him. And that was Jamarcus Russell, obviously. And uh, so you have to understand some of these guys can overcome injury with no with no problem because of their expansion of knowledge and how to how to overcome it. Instead of just saying, "Okay, I've got an injury, I have to rehab, and now I'm ready to go." No, it's it's a lot bigger, and it's a lot bigger than that.
1: Uh, Road Warrior in the chat room, the crew here at Red vs. Blue. Going to be interesting to see where Lattimore goes in rookie Dino drafts. Some have him high. Some have him completely off the board. And I went on to say that I'd love him around that 12 or 13 pick. There are a couple of guys. I mean, look, a second ACL injury, this is bad. You know, it is It is bad. Uh, it reminds me of, like, Greg Childs, you know, the kid uh, that was drafted by Minnesota and, uh, again, another injury. These types of recurring injuries are scary, but the kid has – upside off the charts, right? We always overuse that word, but running backs are a dime a dozen. They seem to be, and there's a lot of good backs in this draft that I think you're going to be pleased with. Monty Ball, we haven't even brought up his name. Again, another guy that just had tons of carries at Wisconsin that we we should be pretty excited to see in some system. Uh, we already talked about Le'Veon Bell, maybe a Jonathan Franklin, who's who's really rising up a lot of rankings. And then you got a Christine Michael from Texas A&M. We kind of watched him uh, play in a a tandem back situation there for several years at AM. and so we'll see what he has and lots of other guys. Joe Randall, you know, Ellington is another kid from Clemson. It reminds you of you know when you wear when you wear Clemson, you kind of remind you. It's always CJ Spiller time, you know. So you know he's got a, he's got some elite uh, elite moves, and it'll be nice to see what Ellington. But again, wide receivers very heavy. A guy like Bradshaw should not be dealt uh, unless you can get a first round pick uh, or a very early second. Darius Hayward Bay to Indianapolis, Mike. This kind of fills that role uh, for Donnie Avery being shipped out to KC. And the Colts do play a lot of three-wide receiver sets. This is about the best-case scenario for a Darius Hayward Bay. Amen. And and it makes him somewhat draftable at the end of these redraft leagues, Mike. Yeah, no doubt. I
2: I love that move. Uh, And Andrew Luck loves that move. I'll tell you right now. Uh, He's got to because, uh, you know, I mean – Darius Hayward, Bay. There's no doubt about his speed. Uh, no doubt that he's a deep threat, and he, he's just going to be another uh, great option for them. And uh, it's just opening up that offense even more. And the running backs have got to love this too because this is going to make uh, just so many, so many things happen for uh, for the coast offense.
1: That well, it just opens it up. Well, I think it's another body. I think it's a, I think it's a speed body at the end of the day. I don't think he's going to approach. We talked about this on the DLF podcast the other night. I don't think he's going to approach um, the kid, uh, the rookie from last year. What's his name? Uh, it's, it's escaping me. What the heck? T. Y. Hilton. I don't think he's going to yeah. escape. You know, I don't think he's going to approach T. Y. Hilton snap counts or anything like that. I love T. Y. Hilton. I think he showed us a lot in his rookie year. Uh, playmaker. He's just a playmaker, and he gets open and he has speed. Uh, great. Guy to pair with Andrew Luck, uh, and so I think that uh, this is this is not a deal uh, that's going to be huge by any means. Darius Hayward Bay is not a star; he's proven that, uh, but he is getting a a huge quarterback upgrade and uh, a system where he's not counted on to be a number one wide receiver. You've got Reggie Wayne, you got T Y Hilton, and you can have a Darius Hayward Bay on the other side. So much more natural role for him, and it'll be much more successful. Uh there and and be draftable, like I said, somebody that you can take in the later rounds and uh potentially use like you did a Donnie Avery uh when you had to not somebody you can count on week to week uh, <laughs> uh right. Wayne in the chat room, Darius Hayward Bay just went in the ninth tonight before Tampa Mike, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> oh man, uh, let's move on another quarterback carousel continues. Kevin Cobb signs on with the bills. Uh, Mike, I still think the I still think the Buffalo Bills take a quarterback in the first round. I just think what they're saying is, I think what they're saying is that they um, they're not ready to hand the reins over to a rookie. And I think that Kevin Cobb will have a couple of respectable games. You just don't know where they'll come. But he is a guy that you can take in a draft master as a filler, a, thir- a third quarterback in a draft master format, and you'd be okay. You get a couple of games out of him, perhaps. But I think that Buffalo still takes a quarterback in the first round, and I'm still I'm still supporting the mock draft that's up on our site at FF Toolbox. I'm still supporting Geno Smith uh, to the Buffalo Bills. Mike.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm not. <laughs> uh, you know, it comes from uh, from some, from some different things that I've been watching, listening to uh, Geno Smith. I, I don't see him going to Buffalo. What, what, what pick do they have, Scott? I, I don't that have it in front
1: of me. The eight pick, the eight.
2: No, no. There's no way Geno Smith is going eight overall. No way. I, I, I don't see it uh, because there's too many negatives. There's too many uh, different things that I've been seeing, hearing, watching, reading uh, that Buffalo can afford to take a number eight overall pick on a Geno Smith. Uh,
1: no. Well, we'll see. We uh, Ben Standig, uh Ricky Diamond, Rob Warner, and Matt Benstock in our most recent editions of our mock drafts all have Geno Smith to the Buffalo Bills, and he's the most popular pick for the Buffalo Bills uh, on our mock draft system. We have over a thousand mocks that have been put input in our uh, draft system here, Mike on FF Toolbox. Seventy-eight percent use Geno Smith in the first round. The teams most often chosen were Buffalo, Arizona, Jacksonville, and Oakland. And so Buffalo and Arizona are the two favorites going in. And I think if Arizona is another one of those guys that, you know, you have a veteran in Carson Palmer, you could take him and groom him. But look, here's what we're learning about the NFL. If you don't have a quarterback, even a project at quarterback, you're not going to win. You're not going to win. That's
2: true. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But uh, you know, there's the Andrew Luck. There's no Andrew Luck. There's no Russell Wilson, Mm -hmm. uh, and there's no uh, Robert Griffin the Third. They're not going to happen this year. And if you're going to take a chance on this kid to be that, then you're. uh, I think you're. I think you're wasting the pick, in
1: my opinion. Well, you're definitely going to have to sit and wait. It's not. You are absolutely right. I agree with you. There is no Andrew Luck, no Russell Wilson, no RG3. That was the year for that and then we're going to we're going to see a delay in that until next year. Next year when Johnny Football comes out and our boy uh from Louisville. Uh once we have once we have Teddy Bridgewater on the scene. Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. You'll have you'll have a you'll have a one-year hiatus of quarterback and then you have a couple of really good quarterbacks come out next year uh with Bridgewater and Manziel. Uh, Mikey, uh, I do want to bring up, uh, the fact that, uh, this, this show has been going on for what? I don't know. How many years we've we been doing this thing?
2: Gosh. Five, six years? Six. I was going to
1: say six. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's been a, uh, it's been a fun ride. We continue to bring, uh, Red vs. Blue. Uh, we're going to, uh, have a couple of interesting conversations to, uh bring red versus blue to the masses here this week. We've had a couple of uh interesting conversations with a couple of folks who uh would like to see red versus blue on a bigger scale and a more uh more uh, dependable scale. So we'll see if uh that comes uh anything to pass. You know, you have to you have to kind of explore your opportunities and and sometimes when the you know, when then the opportunity is about to, uh you know, you got to open the door, you know, if they're knocking. And it's not something that I have sure. foreseen uh for us. I've I've seen I've always seen kind of a labor of love and a a fun project but you know if something uh if something opens up i think you just have to kind of walk through it and so we'll we'll see what happens but uh there's been a a, a little bit of interest in red versus blue uh being <laughs> being more of a household show so we'll see how that goes i just want to throw it out there to the to the to the folks that are listening to the podcast to say that uh cool. you never know what what might happen in this world so Mike, uh, we've also got uh, a couple of other things. Romo gets a huge contract. You're the Cowboy fan, and I think Romo gets a bad rap. I think that um, it it gets a little confusing for people when they hear that Romo gets a big contract, and they say, does he deserve it? And they don't think he does, and I kind of disagree. I think he's a fantasy quarterback goldmine, right? uh, Tony Romo should not be confused with the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are not winners. Tony Romo... As a fantasy quarterback, he's a winner. So yeah. I think he kind of deserves the money. When you start to look at the stats and you stack them up side by side, it's not again. Tony Romo should not be confused with the Dallas Cowboys.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys are kind of uh, I don't know uh, dysfunctional <laughs> at best. But uh, Tony Romo's stats, I mean, they are they're rock solid. And if you need a uh, if you need a quarterback in a pinch. Not just in offense, but, I mean, if you need a quarterback going to go put up some stats on a Sunday, uh, go with Tony Romo. Uh, just like uh, Eli Manning. I mean, Eli Manning, he's kind of the same way, kind of a dorky dork, kind of uh well, let's see what happens, but uh, he is up putting up stats at the end of the day. So uh, I love Tony Romo. I- I'll take him on my team any day of the week.
1: Very interesting article from DynastyLeagueFootball.com this week. It was called Russell Mania for all you wrestling fans out there. I know this is uh, Russell Mania time. It's heating up. This one is called Russell Mania, and it makes the case why Russell Wilson could be the number one fantasy quarterback this year, as soon as this year. So, Mike, let me ask you a question. I'm going to pose a hypothetical here, and I'll ask the guys in the chat room too. If you are offered Drew Brees straight up for Russell Wilson, do you take it? In Dynasty? In Dynasty. Uh,
2: No. No, just because it's Dynasty. I think that Drew Brees puts up better numbers this year and next year than Russell Wilson. I expect a - I I really expect Russell Wilson and Colin Kaepernick both to uh, have less numbers. this upcoming year than they did this past year. I really do.
1: Yeah, I think when it comes down to, uh, again, this is a dynasty education show a little bit, and when you talk about the age factor, Drew Brees being 34 years old, uh, look, you're talking about a guy that's going to play for another three years tops. That's it. And it's over. And you're going to have Russell Wilson. He's 24 years old. Now, look, look, I understand. When you're in a $2,500 league or a $1,000 league and you're trying to win, you know, uh, there's something to be said that a guy like Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers can really catapult you uh, to win this year. And a lot of players will say, hey, I just want to get, you know, get ahead of the game and get my money. You know, if I'm putting in a 1000 bucks a year, you know, i got to win in the first three three years or so to consider myself successful. Otherwise, I'm just going to throw my money away. How long of a building project are you going to do when you're putting in 1000 bucks a year, right? It's a little tough to do that, especially when the money gets up there. Uh, so well, I understand a lot the of the guys that will take a Drew Brees in those situations, but for the most part, you hang on to Russell Wilson, you ride him out. And, and the fact yeah. is that Russell Wilson may be better this year than Drew Brees. It's a very interesting yeah. article.
2: A lot of that depends also Scott on, uh, you know, what, what do you have coming down the road? What do you have, uh, as your backup quarterback? Uh, you know, do you have a couple more, uh, draft picks, uh, you know, in 2014, so to speak. I I mean, you know, just a lot of variables uh, just for a straight-up trade like that uh, that's talking about. But, uh, man, it's, you know, that class of uh, Wilson, Luck, and uh, RG3, wow, that's that's tough to beat.
1: Well, again, it's an article. You ought to check it out over on DynastyLeagueFootball.com, our exclusive content provider at the Dynasty Football World Championships. Mike, there is about 35 spots left in the contest. I think they'll sell out this week uh, or next. We'll have the draft picks released on the air for everybody, and that'll be fun. So we'll we'll do those on the air and get everybody their draft slots and their league assignments. And then we'll uh, you can start wheeling and dealing on those draft picks. Uh, Mike, we've been doing fancy face-offs on Facebook. If you follow FF Toolbox on Facebook, Facebook, you can be a part of these. And these are kind of a gauge to figure out where the opinion what, – what's the public opinion on – some very uh, close fantasy face-offs. This week, uh, yesterday's fantasy face-off was Pierre Garçon versus Antonio Brown. Who would you rather own this year? And if the draft is tomorrow... Now, I don't want to talk about, well, if RG3 is healthy. I don't want to give anybody... This is drafting tomorrow night. You're on the clock. You need a wide receiver. Let's say you need a wide receiver, (laughs) too. And it's Pierre Garçon or Antonio Brown. Who would you rather own this year? I'm going to cross my fingers. I'm going to cross my fingers
2: and say that Garçon is going to be healthy the entire year. Now I'm crossing both fingers, both toes. I'm them behind my back. Uh, Talent-wise, I think Garçon is the best. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with Garçon and hope, hope that he's healthy. That's
1: it. I love uh, Pierre Garçon. I think he is a very underrated player. And this is two guys that I would absolutely love. I would actually like to take both these guys in, a, in a, this year in redraft. At Where I'm sitting right now, both of these guys are in great situations. Uh, it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is for uh, Pierre Garçon. I think either one of them can get it done. And on the other side of the Antonio Brown situation, would we like to see more from him? Yes, absolutely. But he's going to get his chance. He is going to get his chance, and Roethlisberger still throws this ball. You don't have running backs on this team right now. I don't care what kind of story you have for Bradshaw or whatever. You are going to have to throw the ball if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. And right now, what what is it, Antonio Brown, uh, Jericho yes. Cotteri, Uh perhaps Sanders comes back, you know? It's not much. The cupboard is bare, and Heath Miller's still hurt. So Antonio Brown seems to me a very safe, top 15 wide receiver this year that I think will be under drafted early, and will uh, the stock will continue to rise throughout the year as we get closer to these big main event drafts. Antonio Brown is definitely somebody I'm targeting, and Pierre Garçon is a guy that I'm targeting in Dynasty. Everywhere I can get him, I think he's undervalued. I think he is a true number one wide receiver. I, think you he has, uh,
2: I, mean, you, I mean, you know, Concerned about his health at all? I mean, I am, but I, I mean, I love his talent, but
1: his health. Well, look, I, I'm not in the business of predicting injuries, man. I, I just don't know how to do that. I don't know the first thing about it. I look at what I, what I see in front of me, is when he's on the field. Uh, he's not. He hasn't. Uh, he hasn't looked like an, a Darren McFadden. If that's what you're asking me, you know, it's not somebody that every single year disappoints. Uh, I don't think he's he's went that direction uh i think he he has the ability to uh to be a big time wide receiver and i'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt on any injury issues the foot uh they said it wouldn't require surgery to repair that uh that injury that he had uh barring a setback and that was just in february that was the the uh the second toe on his uh on his right foot also so he has had some issues with that but i'm not going to get too carried away in the uh, in the injuries it uh, doesn't doesn't really concern me
2: Okay, well, I, you know, I just thought I'd ask because uh, injuries are infectious. I mean, it, it, they injuries, you know, once a player has injuries, it seems like they have them over
1: and over again. And that's just why I brought it up. I mean, McFadden.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, Mike, this has been a fun show. Uh, absolutely thrilled to uh, to get this in before the tournament. Hopefully Louisville does what they need to do on Saturday and then on Monday night we bring home – uh, another banner for the bluegrass. And so I do want to direct all you fantasy baseballers to FFToolbox.com for uh, George Bissell, uh, our lead analyst, our lead baseball analyst this year, has put together a fantastic package. Every single day you can come to Toolbox. Click the home page right there, today's starting pitcher notes. He'll have all of the starting pitchers for the day ranked for you, have a streamer of the day. He's 3-1 and one right now in his quality start record, uh, so a very good start. And he did name you Darvish, Mike. As the yeah. breakout pitcher. Our breakout pitcher of two thousand thirteen was U Darvis. So George is on fire. If you play fantasy yeah. baseball, get there and uh, check out the content that's up there.
2: I saw that. I saw that, Scott, and uh you know he named uh U Darvis, uh, breakout pitcher, and uh he almost pitched a perfect game and that's rarely done in baseball. So that that's uh awesome. Kudos, great job.
1: All right, my man. That's all for tonight, and uh, we will see you, gentlemen, next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Probably be back to the to the normal start time, but we're uh, we are kind of playing around with this a little bit, so we will get uh, we will get a little bit more notice, to everybody. Uh, about we our... got
2: uh, yep. Uh, we got the cards uh, at six oh nine Saturday, and don't forget about the the Cardinal ladies on Sunday, final four as well.
1: Huge weekend. Patino gets nominated into the Hall of Fame Monday and brings the banner home. Doesn't get any bigger for Cardinal fans. Mike, we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, guys.